Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Thank you, Scott, and welcome to you. Thanks for stopping by. We'll be taking a good good gardening stroll shortly, but right now if you have any questions or concerns about, oh, your plants are outside and it's really, really, and it's not really cold, but it's starting to get cold, especially with that wind, 314 Four three six seven nine hundred or one eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty. Questions, concerns, or comments on this Saturday morning? We'll have a discussion about what's impacting your landscape, your specialty garden space. How are your house plants doing? Should you be watering them? Should you be watering them on a regular schedule? How should you be doing it? Well, should you be improving your soil? Well, how about uh, pruning? Shearing, removal of diseases and bugs, information, hopefully I'll share with you, will help you make a good decision. But remember, my thoughts are only help, helpful for you to consider because there's plenty of ways to get to the good landscape, good plant material, good growth. And by the way, this is your show, and I appreciate you inviting me into your home. And uh, James is here. He's producing today. I haven't seen him for quite a while. He looks pretty much the same, so he hasn't really aged all that much. I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994. I can come to your home and do a landscape consultation if you like. I call it a walk and talk. You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, and on the homepage there's my email address and phone number where I can be reached. Well, let's get moving. Today's stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Wednesday, winter begins. We're getting a taste of pre-winter here on the last few days of fall. And that means a season change. Then I do a tour de yard of my yard and what's going on in my landscape. So uh, the three maple trees, which are street trees, were on a corner. One faces one direction. The other two face north. The other one obviously faces west. And that's the direction towards Christie Park. They finally lost almost all their leaves. Man, they were holding on to it for a long time. The boxwood, muga pines, and cypress along the north side of the house really add some nice pizzazz as far as greenness goes. And then I have some potted Alberta spruce, which are ah, 
a nice relief because I can move those things around and uh, have fun with them. They're kind of heavy, but uh, I just play with them anyway. And also there's uh, some juniper seedlings, which thanks to the birds, the local birds that come to eat the seed that I put down on the sidewalk, uh, they have eaten juniper berries, then they go to the bathroom, then those where they go to the bathroom, that sprouts a juniper. So I have window boxes full of juniper seedlings. So that's great. It's just good fun. And uh, those birds, I appreciate it. And uh, they like me too as well because today after the show, I'm out of bird seed right now, so I have to go get some more bird seed from them. The perennials, I have an evergreen uh, fern. And the coral bells, I have purple coral bells. They really hold on to the foliage pretty much through the winter time as well. And uh, while... The rest of the perennials and plants and things like that have gone underground. There's still some zoya, still zoiza, of course, and cedar mulch. And they carpet various locations throughout the landscape, depending upon what the se- situation and season is. And uh, the leaves from Christie Park, they add some, uh, <laughs> let's say, debris to the carpets occasionally. But for some reason... The way the rain has come in this year and with the winds and everything else, most of the leaves have stayed in the park where by this time usually I've already raked up about, uh, oh, any place between 6 and 10 uh, 50-gallon bags of leaves to put into the yard waste dumpster, but uh, not yet. Then I have some seasonal decorations and lighting all around, and uh, it's just uh, kind of kind of mellow, small house and everything else, but it's fun. And uh, as I look out the window right now, dawn is rising. It's about 6.30, and the squirrels and birds are still waiting. They come, they kind of land and say, this is supposed to be the buffet line. Why isn't it open? But anyway, fall starts in a few days, and the birds, and as fall says goodbye to 2022, Hope it is a great season for you this winter, and I hope it's not too harsh or too bad. So Mike Miller, KM Morris Garden Hotline, phone lines open, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. Nearly a century of informing, entertaining, and serving St. Louis. KMOX. Yes, folks, I know it's kind of cold outside, so you don't really want to think about your plant material. But if you do have questions or concerns or ideas, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Talking about the holiday season, Tracy was uh, watching a documentary the other night. And uh, one thing, most of it, a lot of the traditions came from blah, 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 blah. But one thing that kind of caught me totally by surprise is Frosty the Snowman wasn't around until 1959. So I don't know exactly how Frosty the Snowman came about in 59, but uh, that was one of the few things that, you know, a lot of it was Queen Victoria started or started here and came migrated and all this other stuff. But that one uh, really caught me by surprise. Out in your landscape... Basically, if you're going to do anything at all, don't do any fertilizing whatsoever. 
People will wonder if uh, this is winterizing time for your blue or your you know your cool season lawns, your bluegrass or your fescues or things like that. But we're almost to the point where if you kind of do that, you may cause more damage than they're going to do good. It should have been done previous to this point, but uh, just don't do it because it could be trouble. And if you let's say you, I don't know if people are still doing this, but. Uh, Historically, people used to buy Christmas trees that were live Christmas trees, not cut Christmas trees, but live Christmas trees with balls and burlap and all that other stuff. And I'm not sure people are still doing that. But uh, if you are, once you bring it into the house, don't leave it in more than a couple days because if you put it back outside, it's going to be really rough on it. But uh few years when I lived in Soulard, I got live trees, bald and burlapped, and uh, what I did is I left them out in the courtyard and then just decorated them out there rather than bring them into the house. And then when the, you know, decoration season was over, a lot of times I just sort of set them out uh, onto the sidewalk and then uh, called a couple people that were landscape contractors I knew and said, well, you want to, you know, try this one and see what happens? And so I just kind of gave them away because I didn't really have a place to plant them, and I don't really have a place to plant them now. And uh, I don't like I said, I'm not sure there's any garden centers that do sell live trees. Maybe there is. If you have any ideas where maybe that is a possibility, I don't think you're probably going to be getting no one getting a tree this late. But who knows? The other day I saw somebody had a tree on top of their car, so that was a uh, you know only few days before Christmas, really. So it was really kind of uh, ironic to see. And when you go and you see all the uh, Christmas decor that is for sale in the retail circumstances, the pickup trucks have just taken over everything. There's pickup trucks everywhere. Some are hauling trees. Some are just, you know, whatever. So, I mean, we were amazed. I think... We were, uh, I forget what store we were at, but the amount of Christmas decor they had for sale was absolutely incredible. So, anyway, let's head over to Bob's yard. Hi, Bob. Uh, yeah, I may have a couple of questions. <coughs> Excuse me, a couple of questions. I'm going to put down sod next year. When it's the best time to put it down, uh, it's going to be uh, fescue. <coughs> Excuse me. Fescue. When's the best time of the year to put it down? Well, basically, you can wait until it's going to be available, or what you can do is just wait a little bit longer until it sort of warms, the ground starts warming, because that's going to encourage the uh, the root system growth from the sod. So normally, I would say probably the best time would be uh, no earlier than mid-March, because, again, the ground is cold. The sod won't, it won't hurt the sod that much. But if you want to sort of encourage root system growth, that's what happens when the ground warms up, and that's probably what I would say. Uh, do they do sod farms have a fescue Kentucky bluegrass mix? Not that I know of. They may, but for the most part, they don't. So uh, if somebody knows that they, you know, there's a sod farm that does have that mix, usually people don't want to mix those because they their growth habits are a little bit different. And the color, coloration and things like that are a little bit different. That's why they don't do that mixture. Okay, thank you. Sure, my pleasure. 
And this, you know, this time of year, too, also, we've had, you know, adequate rain up to this point. But if we're getting a stretch of any place longer than like seven to ten days where we don't have any rain and you have any kind of plant material that's been, you know, installed within the last two years, you should be taking buckets of water out there and watering the root ball of the plant material. Because it's just what happens is when the ground gets really cold, it causes air pockets because it it makes the soil kind of shrink, shrink away from particle matter of to particle matter, and that creates an air pocket. Then cold air sinks down into there, and then that could do some damage to the feeder roots because the feeder roots is what the crucial part of the tree is, and without good feeder roots. Yet plant is not going to probably survive. So that's generally what happens in the wintertime with the cold weather. Is the, the, So keep a bucket around. Also, this is a good time of year to either take your mower or take your mower blades or for any tools that you have at all to go ahead and get them sharpened because a sharp tool is really helps reduce the amount of chance of getting diseases, or health problems for the anything that you're going to do, any pruning or you're going to do any mowing. And the mower height, I probably finished you know, mowing my zoysia, although the front lawn is a little bit longer than what I like going into, you know, let's say, wintertime. So I may do one more cutting, and for that cutting, I'm going to have it. Uh, my mower set at about uh, three inches to keep it, and just that way, I know the clippings are going to be less than an inch, and that's going to be pretty good. If you do have a fescue or bluegrass bluegrass lawn, which is a cool season type, you want to set your mower, and you're still, you know, you're seeing your or you're getting growth. You want to set your mower blade height at about three and a half to four inches. So that's one of the better things you could possibly do. Uh, it's just uh, a lot of things can go on this time of year. Because we kind of lose interest and just it's just really easy to kind of let things kind of slide by. I have some ground covers, and uh, as I talked about during my good gardening stroll, I have uh, two major types of ground covers: the sedum acre, which is a yellow flowered sedum, and they don't it, it doesn't totally disappear during the winter time, but there's just little segments of it. Here and there are fragments of it, and then once they, you know, weather starts warming up, then its growth accelerates, and consequently, then it starts matting back and totally covering other things. I still have uh, some bed spaces where I've had uh, sweet alyssum for years. I just let it self seed, but those, you know, those particular areas, even though I do mow them, I don't mow them down close enough that some leaves don't, you know, collect in there. So I'm going to have to go back and get rid of the leaves because leaves piling up on any kind of area is going to be problematic potentially with um, fungus problems. So I just have to be real careful. If you have ornamental grasses and you've got the brown blades, for the most part, there's a few that are green. But uh, what you can do is I just recommend cutting those not this time of year. Just leave those brown blades in place. Maybe put a bungee cord around them to keep them from shattering and just kind of blowing all over your landscape. And so, so consequently, 
by by doing the bungee cord, then wait until we get out of the worst part of wintertime, so around Valentine's Day, and then just go ahead and then cut them down. Depending upon the variety, that's going to determine what height you're going to cut them at. And just remember, most of the ornamental grasses that we have here that uh, are very popular, like the maiden grass and things like that, uh, are clump growers. So they migrate out from where the original planting was, and then what happens is the new growth comes on the perimeter, and then the center will have no grass blades coming at all. So ultimately, after a few years, you may, it may be necessary to dig up the clump, chop out the center, which has no grass blades at all. When do you want to do that? Well, you probably want to do that uh, sometime like when you're going to be cutting it back, which is going to be, you know, Valentine's Day or Ides of March or that. That's the best thing. It's also a good time to get out there, and if you don't have the eye, which most of us don't, uh, to look at your trees because we've had some pretty tough winds, and even today it's not a super strong wind, but uh, any kind of fractures in the branches can lead to problems where water will run down the trunks or run down the large branch, and then... If there's, a, let's say, a crack or whatever, then you're going to get some moisture in there, and that could lead to an internal disease problem with the trees. So be cautious of that. The calorie pears or the, you know, Bradford pears or whatever, they're still holding on to the leaves. So it's, they always hold on to them late, but there's a couple uh, on Wanda, which is just around the corner from where we live, uh, a couple trees right there, and I mean to tell you, it's really kind of surprising how many leaves that trees, those trees are still hanging on. And the reason why the popularity of those trees, first of all, a lot of people don't like them because the flowers don't smell so well, but also the narrowness of the multiple, tr- you know, they have one main trunk and then a lot of, then it fractures into a lot of smaller trunks, but the angle of that is not very strong, and then that's why there's potential damage when we have ice storms and, and things like that. Let's head over to Tom's yard now. Hi, Tom. Hey, Mike. Uh, quick question. My son is having a lot of trouble with moles in his backyard. He's had a professional exterminator out a couple of years ago. They did a year-long treatment. It helped a little bit, but they're back in, in um, numbers again. What does he need to do to get rid of the moles? I mean, they're just making a mess out of his backyard. Yeah, that's unfortunate, but he obviously has a nice yard. And the reason why I'm saying that are nice soil because there will not be earthworms if your soil is really kind of bad news, like heavy-duty clay or something like that. So his soil is in good shape. That brings the earthworms back into that situation And in the moles, they have nothing to do but uh, look for food. And their main source of food is earthworms. So that's what they're tunneling around for. And as far as control goes, I mean, uh, he can get some, you know, Victor Spear or Choker loop traps, that kind of thing. Set the traps on the runs or wherever, you know, the tunnels where they're popping up and just kind of go after them that way. They will start, as the ground starts getting cold, the earthworms will stop moving and when the earthworms stop moving, the moles can't hear where they are, so they'll stop tunneling. And they actually have an underground hibernation area where they 
you know, kind of go and hibernate for a period of time till the ground starts warming up and the earthworms start moving. So he's got a couple options to so try to get them this time of year. Maybe a sort of, I don't want to say a wasted effort, but uh, just realize that that's what the circumstance is. I mean, they've, they've just devastated. I mean, they're really tearing up his yard right now. I mean, and this is before it really started getting cold. Right. I mean, there's just tunnels everywhere. Yeah, I mean, professional service again, or he can just get some of the traps and set them himself. You've got to move the traps pretty much every every two or three days at the most. Because if, yeah. if the mold will abandon an area because it's pretty much gotten all the earthworms along that tunnel spot, and then that's why they make so many different tunnels. They just, they're going to the sound. They're listening while they're tunneling along for the earthworm sound, and that's where they tunnel to so they can find something to eat. Yeah, and his dog is going crazy and digging up the the, the tunnels <laughs> and just and just dev- just making a mess out of his yard. Oh my goodness! Yeah, yeah, it's so, it's unfortunate, so. but uh, I mean, there's not too much he can do other than like, basically kill him. Some people will. I mean, there's things that you could try if he doesn't want to do the traps because he's got a dog. If you do have a dog and you do set the traps out, you can put a bucket over the top of them, and that keeps the dog yeah. away from where yeah. the traps yeah, are. Yeah, I've done that before, too. Yeah, and then there's also some newer type of products to get rid of the moles. If a tunnel is active, so in other words, you've it's just been recently popped up, it's an injection that you can shoot down into the tunnel, and it smells like earthworms, only it's poisonous, so you can poison them that way. Yeah, is it is it bad for the dog, though? Well, the dog, you know, I don't know if the dog would eat those, you know, that it's kind of like a gel. And uh, yeah. I don't know if the dog would, you know, get it in his mouth just by tunneling or digging or whatever. And uh, so, yeah, I would kind of stay away from personally uh, any kind of poisonous stuff if I do have dogs. Yeah. Okay, Mike, it sounds like it's a long-term problem. Right. So. Okay, and he's got a big yard, so they'll just move from one spot to another. Right, exactly. Where the you know where the earthworms are, that's where they're going to go. All right. Well, thanks for your help, Mike. Sure, my pleasure. Mike Miller, KMWS Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Our home of the Cardinals. Arnado swings and hits it deep to left field. That ball is out of here. The Billikens. Jumper. Yes! Billikens win! The Chiefs. Touchdown! Kansas City! We are America's Sports Voice. KMOX. Yes, folks, let's head back to the phones. And we do have some phone lines open. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's go in to to Mary's yard and see what's going on. Hi, Mary. Good morning, Mike. How are you? Very good. Listen, um, I know you probably get tired of the mole questions, but I got four moles in my yard last week with a a mole eliminator made by Wire Tech Incorporated. And I have used these for about the last five years. Oh, my. And believe me, it works perfectly. I'm 83 years old. I can get them in the uh, ground easily myself. I'm not paying somebody to do it. Um, the the um, trap itself is not particularly cheap, but it works like a charm. And I told everybody I know, it's again, it's Mole Eliminator, and it's made by Wire Tech Incorporated. I just order them off the Internet. Well, that sounds perfect. Thanks for the insight. Well, I hope it helps the young man because I know how it is when I walk out to my beautiful yard and I see them that they I see one right now that's popped. <laughs> I'm going to go out there and get it. Okay. Good luck to everybody on that because yes. they do work. All right. Thank you very much. And it just shows, I mean, a testimony from somebody that's had a product that they've been very happy with, nothing beats that. So let's go now from Mary's yard over to Jill's yard. Hi, Jill. Hi. Um, you mentioned earlier about uh, the leaves, leave, leaving them on the grass, that it could cause a fungus. Right. Does that hold true for flower beds as well, or do, do, do the leaves help insulate? Well, if they're just leaves, it depends upon the type of leaf. If it's like a... Some of the leaves, like maple leaves, are thin and skinny, and they have a tendency, if you know, in the rain or snow or whatever, to really get moist, and then they pack down, and that could cause you know potentially some problems for plant, you know, for perennial type circumstances. And uh, but things like oaks, their leaves are really waxy, really stiff. They don't quite pack down as much, so it's. They, I mean, the oak leaves can potentially cause a disease problem, a fungus problem, but not nearly as much as like the maples or some of the thinner, skinnier leaves. Okay, so you think I'm better off getting rid of them than, than leaving them on for the winter? Yeah, it's, again, it depends upon what type, but uh, people always think, well, what, what's the difference between this and mulch? Well, mulch, there's a whole process of you know producing mulch, whether it's you know, let's say from foliage or from whatever it happens to be, bark chippings or anything else, you just can't sort of like use raw product and expect it to do the same thing that one, like a mulch, has that has been cooked by like St. Louis composting. So 
there's a, a complete difference, even though it doesn't seem like there would be, there truly is. Yeah. Okay, great. All right. Well, thank you. Sure. My pleasure. And now let's go over to Jill's yard. Hi, Jill. Oh, no. Let's go to Mary's. Sorry. Hi, Mary. Hi. How you doing? Good. Um, you mentioned just for briefly about sharpening your lawnmower blades. And I have a, a lawnmower question, and I have a plant question, too. But um, I haven't used a mower for about two months, and I think it's got a little bit of gas down at the bottom. And I've heard different opinions about what to do, and um, it's so cold. <laughs> My tendency is just let it sit over winter now and try to drain the gas or something in the spring. But is that detrimental to your mower? It potentially could be. So, yeah, what you all you need to do is go out, and I'm assuming your mower is in a shed or in the garage. It's yeah, just it's in a it, shed. Yeah, just start it and just let it run until it runs out of gas. Well, I was thinking about doing that, but then somebody said, I don't have fuel stabilizer in the gas. I know that. The gas that's in there is untreated. It's just gas. Right. Is that still okay to do that? Yeah, you're fine. Oh, okay, good. Okay, good, because I didn't want to destroy the mower, you know, and have to get a new one in spring. Right. So um, somebody else said try to add a little fuel stabilizer to it, and then somebody said, well, if you add too much, that can be a problem. Right. So I would say just leave it as is and just run it until it runs out. All right, cool. If I can get started, I'll do that. Right. Um, My other question is, I've got three crepe myrtles I planted in 2019. They were doing real good this last summer. And somebody came along and chewed one to the ground and started chewing the other one, and I covered it. And I've got one that they didn't really touch. Um, Any idea of what that could be? Uh, I mean, it could be a couple different things. How large were they? They weren't real big. I think, actually, they're probably dwarfs. Um, um, The taller one is probably about three feet tall, but the other ones were shorter. They're probably about two feet tall. What part of town do you live in? University City. Ah, so you don't have a deer problem there. So it's got to be, you know, some more or less, let's say, a rabbit or rodent-type circumstance. Right. Now, my neighbor said they did see a deer in their backyard because we have railroad tracks behind our yard. Ah. And and there's evidence of head rubbing on the barks of some of the honeysuckle. Somebody told me that's a male deer will do that sometimes. Right, to mark the territory. Right, right. So So I don't know. What I've done is I've covered them. But on one, the the ones chewed to the ground, I just put a plastic nursery pot over the top of it. And I thought, well, maybe that's not good. Maybe I'll start some kind of mold problem. Yeah, you're right. And so just uh, put some mulch over it. And uh, that's about all you can need to do. Okay, I'm kind of out of mulch. Can I just use leaves, throw a bunch of leaves on top of well, it? Well, again, as I was just telling the previous caller, sometimes depending upon the type of leaf, it can create a really humid environment, and that sets up a scenario where you're going to have fungus problems. Okay, I mostly have oaks here, okay. big oaks. And yeah, so just I've go got ahead. a lot of oak leaves. Yeah, go ahead and do that with the oaks. And then when, you know, ba- again, uh, Valentine's Day to the Ides of March, get that all off the top of the, you know, off okay. the crepe myrtles because before any kind of new growth begins, you want to not have leaves, just regular leaves piled up on anything. Right, right, okay. What about covering them with a cardboard box? Would I know paper type stuff is better. Right. Uh, you could give that a try. 
Yeah, yeah, I've got a cardboard box over one. And then the last thing is I've got, um, I do have a big plastic tub type thing over some catnip I planted in the fall, and I uncovered that the other day, and now I'm like, oh, great, it looks like there's some maybe powdery mildew on the leaves. Exactly. That's what creates a human environment, and it's detrimental to the plant material that you're trying to actually protect. So I should probably just uncover that. Yep. And hopefully, do I have to, should I trim it back at all where it looks like the leaves are kind of, you know, moldy or whatever? I wouldn't do that. I would wait until, you know, new growth begins and see if that, you know, if that is you know, correct with your diagnosis this time of year. Okay. Okay. That sounds good. I thought about getting out the Irish Spring soap, but I don't have any. Because, you know, I know on the show people have said the deers don't like that. And yeah. I do think I may have a deer coming up in my yard. Wow. Well, also, Yeah, it's weird, but um, because of these railroad tracks, people, I've lived here a long time, and they've told me, oh, I saw a deer, and I'm like, yeah, right, you're pulling my leg. But <laughs> they do come up here. They're, it's it's pretty wild. <laughs> so, okay, well, I'll try those. I'll uncover everything and start the lawnmower, and then it sounds like I should be okay. Yep. All right, thanks for your help. Sure, my pleasure. Mike Miller, KMWash Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Back to the phones we go, and let's head over to Ron's yard. Hi, Ron. Hello, Mike. Hi. I got a, a solution for the mold problem. Ah. And my father, I'm 70 years old. This was back when I was about 10 years old. I came out the back door one morning, and my dad's got the car at the backyard with a hose sticking out of the exhaust pipe, sticking in the ground. And he gassed them things. <laughs> and it, it, it worked. He went up to our local gas station and, and borrowed one of their hoses for the exhaust, and, uh, and it, it worked for us. Wow, great. Yeah. So well, thanks he could figure insight. anything out, my, my dad, and uh, I wish I would have realized that back when I was a young boy. Very insightful of him. The only yeah. Th- the only thing I'd be concerned with is, uh, you know, the possible damage to some of the root, you know, root systems of some of the plant materials. But other than that, if it was effective, it worked well for them. Yeah, well, this was, yeah, strictly in the law. There was no, uh, it wasn't by any flower garden or anything like that. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah, great. Well, thanks for the insight. Okay, Mike. Bye-bye. Bye. And now let's head over to Thomas's yard. Hi, Thomas. Good morning. I got another solution as to where I lived originally. It was new construction, and the house was in a cul-de-sac, and pretty well all of the neighbors were very good about upkeep and maintaining their yards. My immediate neighbors had a little cat, and it wasn't an outdoor cat, but they would let it out. Uh, but it was a killer cat, and it would uh, kill moles and you know line them up on the patio like bringing them home for prizes. <laughs> well, the family moved away, and guess what? We all had moles. So I would suggest that people get rid of that dog and buy a cat. <laughs> uh, that's interesting. And it's also interesting the fact you said it was new construction, that yeah. the, that soil would be adequate enough to have earthworms. Because moles generally, you know, I mean, that's 
the majority of their diet is earthworms. Yes, they eat grubs. They eat a few other types of insects. But those are only, you know, if they're tunneling towards the earthworm sound and they come across some of these other bugs, they'll eat them. But uh, new construction, you just don't think of that soil being adequate to have earthworms. So that was really kind of interesting. Okay. Well, get a cat. <laughs> well, thanks, Thomas. <laughs> and let's see. Let's try to get Jim in before we go to break. Hi, Jim. Hi. I've got a question. I've got a, it's kind of a mature uh, crab apple tree. It's a uh, coral burst. It's grown a little bit higher than I wanted it to. It's a nice shape, but could I cut like a, maybe a foot or two off of it and try to keep the rounded shape? Uh, thanks for your service. I'm down in JB watching them put Reese across America. Oh. Merry Christmas. Well, thanks, and thanks to you. And uh, you can, what you can do is just wait until springtime and the part, those twigs and stuff that you want to cut off, just let them go ahead and flower and then cut them off right after the flowering. But if you're not really concerned about the flowering, then you can just go ahead and cut them off you know, anytime during the wintertime. It's not a big deal. Okay. Thanks for your service. Sure, my pleasure. Yeah, the thing at Jefferson Barracks, that's uh you know, quite the thing. I think the uh, in the news uh Scott said they were gonna put out thirty two thousand you know wreaths. That is just amazing. That's uh a lot of work and very, very impressive. So this time of year sometimes we get we're gonna have warm stretches and things like that. Can you still let's say dig up perennials and divide them and things along that line or ground covers or go to your favorite garden center. They probably don't have a whole lot of plants other than uh, woody type plants, trees and shrubs and things along that line. But in your own landscape, should you be, let's say, digging up a peony and relocating it or dividing it or things, you really were getting to the point where if you do that, the root system and the ground's going to be cold and the root system won't get established enough to be able to withstand because we don't know what how cold it's going to get. So it's cold or cool now, even though it's below freezing. But uh, if you do move things around and they don't get established and we have an extended period of cold, then there's going to be some real damage to anything that you potentially might move. If you do have roses, the classic type roses, yes, you still have the time and the opportunity to uh, – Go ahead and mulch. You want about six or eight inches of mulch over the top of the where the graft is. So that is really pretty essential for your roses. Mike Miller, KM West Garden Hotline. I'll be back after the news. Now at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Thank you, Scott. And yes, it is KMOX and it's a garden hotline. Tip of the trial hour. I'll be giving the tip of the trial shortly, but right now you can give a call. We've got phone lines open 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 with your ideas, questions, concerns, or comments. And by the way, thanks for having me on your show. We can discuss plant selection, caring for the ups and downs of annuals. My pansies are still blooming, so I'll have to. I didn't look at them this morning, but uh, 
It'll be interesting to see if they will still have the flowers on them with the temperatures going below freezing. And your bulbs. You found some daffodils you hadn't planted. Ooh, can you still get them in the ground? Yeah, I would say go ahead and plant them. But whether they're going to flower, that's going to be something that you might think should happen, but it may not. They'll produce foliage, but they haven't had a chance because the ground is getting colder and colder to produce any root systems. And that's what really is essential for any kind of spring flowering bulbs to be able to produce any flowers. And amaryllis, I'll be talking about some of the amaryllis and uh, how to take care of those real soon. Edibles, cool season vegetables, well, they're probably just about finished. Ground covers, house plants, lawns, perennials, roses, trees, shrubs, vines, and water gardens. I'll share my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is not the only garden path to take for success. Across the big board, James, he's producing today. When you call in, he just needs your first name, and it'll put you onto the computer, and then I will be able to talk to you. I spend time during the week and weekends doing a walk and talk, which is a landscape consultation. I don't do any kind of designs anymore. I'm too old for designs. They're a lot of work. Anyway, so you can give me a call, 314. No, I'm not going to tell you what. Just go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, and on the homepage, there's my email address and phone number. Tip of the trial is a special recognition for individual or group or situation that's made an impression on me. It's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. And tip of the trial goes out to all the volunteers down at Jefferson Barracks. And uh, I mean, not producing, but... uh, Putting those wreaths on all the, you know, all the veterans that are buried there in Jefferson Barracks because it's a cool morning. The wind is still blowing, so they are pretty tough people that, uh, you know, volunteered to do that. But a uh, tip of the trial goes out to everybody that's making this a little bit more bright for the people that are, you know, in Jefferson Barracks. So being a veteran myself, I guess someday I may be, end up there. But uh, I know my father's there, and uh, so consequently I should, probably should go down and make sure that they got a wreath. No, I'm just kidding. But anyway, so you can uh, – tip of the trial goes out to all the volunteers that are making the holiday season that much brighter for all the people that are buried there. So anyway – Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline. Let's get a couple of calls in before we take a break. Let's go over to Richard's yard. Hi, Richard. Hey, Mike. Yes. Um, the uh, forestry department, the, um, the street that I live on, there were 18 ash, tree- ash trees that the city took out because of, uh, you know, they took them out in fall. Right. Um, and they ground the stumps out. And um, they came back with, uh, I, I don't know what kind of tree, but uh, and you would, but um, they're not ash trees. But <clears throat> the question I have is, they planted those right on top of the, um, where they ground the old stumps out. And they, um, they mounted up the mulch. You know, to, um, uh, you know, it's a foot up. 
uh, a volcano mulch. Um, you know, um, so my question is, should I leave that mulch? Will that mulch protect the root system during the winter? And then in fall, in spring, I'll uh, carve it out a little bit. Or should I just leave it now or what? Well, you know, this, it's not really wise to plant a new plant of any type, be it tree or shrub or anything, over even if the, let's say, the, you know, the grindings from getting the uh, trunk out, stump grindings and all that other stuff, even if they dig out a lot of it, there's still going to be a huge amount of wood content in the ground at that point because there's still going to be viable root systems. The root systems are still going to be, you know, kind of competing. And also just the wood chips themselves as they, you know, are laying there, they bind up nutrients and moisture and everything else. So the new trees they put in, I know this was, you know, by experts and everything else, but I'd be a little bit concerned just in general. And uh, whatever you do is not going to really make that much difference, to be honest. This is uh, this. Is, these are your tax dollars at work. So, uh, <laughs> yes. but so I should just go ahead and leave the mulch where it is. Yeah, I mean uh, this. The city and forestry department, I'm assuming, uh, basically did it. That's what they think is going to be the best. So, uh, just see what happens. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot. Yeah, because again, I just don't think that's a very wise circumstance to plant right over where a tree has been removed, and even a, within a probably three or four years later, maybe a little bit better for the tree, the new planting to get established. But uh, right on, you know, basically the same time that the tree was stump ground out. And a new tree was put in, that's uh, going to be really tough on the new tree. Yeah, I knew you'd say that. <laughs> All right, thanks a lot. Right. And then you can call back in a couple years and say, you know, that you didn't really know what you're talking about. So, anyway, thanks, Richard. And now let's go ahead and get it, Brian in. Hi, Brian. Oh, Brian's left. So, uh, we'll go ahead and take a break. Mike Miller, KO Moss Garden Hotline, 314. 314- Four three six seven nine hundred or one eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty. Back after these messages. All the news and all that matters to you. The voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, back to the phones we go, but we do have lines open three one four four three six seven nine hundred or one eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty. Let's head over to Doug's yard. Hi, Doug. Hello. Hi. Yeah, I was just wondering what color I was, I guess. I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm listening to you on the radio, but. Okay. They said they was taking color 10 for 10 tickets or something. No, we you got the wrong phone number. Wrong. We answer questions about related to your landscape. Oh, this is the number they give me to call. Listen to the Cardinals Radio Network. Well, I you're on the contest line, but again, right now it's the Garden Hotline. So see you later, Doug, and uh, let's go now over to Jim's yard. Hi, Jim. Good morning, sir. Hi, sir. I have a question. I just moved into a new home. 
over in Illinois, and there's a mature maple tree in the front yard. It has surface roots that are about an inch to an inch and a quarter on top of the ground. Right. Um, and it's a real menace with the riding lawnmower and with the kids playing in the front yard, trip hazards. I'm worried about them falling and hitting their head on one of these roots. Um, is there any way to... Uh, to cover those up with more topsoil and plant new grass. It's not going to work. So you'd just be wasting your work. time. So basically okay. what you need to do is just the area that's most problematic is put uh, three or four inches of mulch over it, and that's about the best thing you can do. But you're never going to get grass to grow in that situation, no matter what you do as far as adding topsoil, anything else, it's not going to make much difference. The other, the other option is to plant uh, you know, ground covers, but even the ground covers, as tough and durable as they are, it's going to be multiple years before they're going to be able to you know, cover the entire area. But uh, initially what you can do is just put the mulch, and then if you want to start to consider planting a ground cover like an ivy or something like that, you can do that, or liriope, but uh, grass will never grow. I got gotcha. you. You know the mulch is a great idea. I'll just make it a big garden. <laughs> Sounds Thank good. you very much, man, and uh, have a great holiday season. Sure, you do the very same thing. And now let's go over to Randy's yard. Hi, Randy. Good morning, Michael. Hi. Uh, I'm not a mechanic, not a car mechanic, but the gentleman that called in suggesting using uh, an ex- a hose from his exhaust system to get the gophers, it seems to me that Anytime you're going to restrict the flow of exhaust out of the catalytic converter, it, you could damage it. And there are a million sensors all up and down the exhaust system. Right. It, it just stands a reason that you're going to cause a problem. So I really advise against it. Yeah, he said his father did it or grandfather or something long, long ago before catalytic converters or anything was in there. But still... Uh, that's not something, and like I said, it, damage to plant root systems and things like that with the exhaust is not advisable. So your insight is helping, you know, sort of emphasize that factor. Great. Thank you, Mike, and a Merry Christmas to you. Yes, Merry Christmas to you. We have 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. With your houseplants, uh, I'm going to emphasize again, how often do you need to water? Well, you need to water when they need the water. And a lot of times what I do, you can always, and I advise people just looking on the inside of their pot, and consequently when the potting mix starts shrinking away and there becomes like a, you know, not even a quarter inch, an eighth of an inch, you know, gap between the inside of the pot and the potting mix, then you can go ahead and water. But, you know, I get to rosemary trees. Tracy and I really like the smell of rosemary, and these are just rosemary plants that have been pruned to look like a, an evergreen tree, and we grow them inside. But what I do with them, rather than like bothering because they're wider than what the pot is and it's hard to see the inside of the pot as far as when the potting mix is shrinking away, I just go by weight. So when I water them, I, you know, I know how heavy it is, and then just every few days I lift it, and then when it gets really light, then I go ahead and water it. Now, with some plants, that's not possible to do because they're in larger pots or you know who knows what type of plant it is or anything else. 
But that's what I do with this particular plant. And uh, like I say, the rosemary trees is just a tradition that uh, I've basically done for many, many, many years. And they're just kind of fun. And the smell of rosemary this time of year, ah, it's so nice and peaceful and everything else. So that's one of the things that you can you know consider doing. When you head out, I mean, you may need some uh, with like with your house plants. Should you be fertilizing this time of year? Well, you only fertilize if something is in flower, and that would be only one of the things. And I've got some, you know, miniature orchids, and one of my orchids is starting to send out uh, uh, flower buds. So when they're in flower, go ahead and fertilize. And with orchids, I use a specific type of fertilizer for the orchids. But what I do is only do half label rate during this time of year because it's just you're going to be wasting your time and money and everything else. And sometimes if you don't get a fertilizer specifically for the type of plant that you're trying to fertilize, then you could create a real problem because too much nitrogen in the soil can be detrimental to the plant's health, not just orchids, but with anything else. So just keep that in mind. So fertilizing during the wintertime, half-label rate is what's really advisable. And if you do have any questions, you know, in your landscape, it's a good time of year to head to your favorite garden center. A lot of them will be selling cut trees or firewood or other things as well. But they can they have the time and probably the staff to spend some time with you when you you know if you have questions related to your plant material or plant material that they have that's available, maybe you're not going to be buying at this time of year necessarily, but to just find out what the growth habit and what they can anticipate and do they deliver the plants and you know what you need to be thinking about ahead of time. And ahead of time, meaning know, find the site that you want to plant that particular plant. Tell them what the exposure is, moisture-wise, sun-wise, you know, comp- or competition between new or not new, but competition with existing plant materials, trees or shrubs to the location of the new plant that you ultimately are going to be planting because that can be really difficult for a new plant to get established if it's in close proximity, in other words, at the drip line of a tree that's existing because that's where the feeder roots are and then those feeder roots of an existing tree are going to make it really difficult for anything that you install to be able to get itself established. So just always keep that in mind. And watching out for a mature size of the plant material. When you buy it, it's going to be, well, it fits right in here, really works well. But so often people have called or when I've been to their homes and the plant material have overgrown the spot that they've planted. And there are alternatives that won't necessarily overgrow the spot. So it's just, you know, people, me included, you have your favorite plants and you want to try to work them into your landscape. But realize that sometimes, you know, they're going to be too big over time and going to cause problems as a result of like the sidewalk. We have a mugo pine on the north side of our house and it's between the house, which is not a great distance and the the public sidewalk. So Tracy is always concerned about the growth of the mugo pine going over the sidewalk because people walking along there, if they're not paying attention, 
you get poked in the eye by the mugo pine needle or just you know, run into it. So probably about once every year or two, I go ahead and prune it back, and that forces some of the growth back towards the house and ultimately it probably will lead to the sort of downfall of the mugo pine, but it's a, you know, had a good life anyway. But I just don't want to have the sidewalk blocked because I do a lot of walking myself, and I don't necessarily mind walking around things, but some people are not necessarily able to you know, walk around on because they don't want to walk on the ground cover or like the gentleman that just called those uh, sugar maples that we have around our house as street trees, they have some surface roots too. So you step on one place and it's pretty easy because of the the depth of the roots that are at the surface to twist your ankle, you know, and not severely, but just, or just to kind of cause you to lose your balance or something along that line. So it's be cautious and be careful and just be conscientious on what size the plant that you are considering adding to your landscape how big it's going to get, and how soon it's going to get that big. So make that choice. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. Phone lines are open, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? Then you're going to want to tune in to the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Soon, a new Cardinal season. And soon, you will be hearing this. A swing and the ball's hit down the right field line and deep. A two-run blast for Contreras. This is new Cardinals catcher, Wilson Contreras, and you are listening to KMOX. KMOX is Cardinals Radio. Yes, folks, back to the phones we go, but we do have some lines open. If you have any questions, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's head over to Connie's yard. Hi, Connie. Hi. I have a question about hydrangea. I have, I'm growing it in a pot and was wondering how to protect it for the winter. I didn't understand the first part of your question. Okay. I have a hydrangea that I'm growing in a pot and I'm wondering how to protect it for the winter. So it's a hydrangea you're growing outside, right? Yes, it's outside in a pot. Mm-hmm. Okay. What you need to do is the, probably the best thing to do, depending upon how, regardless of how big the pot is or anything else, is find a spot that's vacant in a garden space and just dig a hole and drop the pot down into the hole and leave about the top two inches of the pot above the surrounding ground. And that's the easiest way to do it. 
Okay, there's. Uh, <laughs> I really don't have a place to do that. I was wondering, is there any way you can just maybe wrap the pot in something to keep it from freezing, or should I put it in the garage? Or well, if you can't, you know, drop it into a, a pot, I would probably just set the place so you don't have any kind of location, even in a garden space, to put mulch around it or anything. Um, without putting it in the ground, right? Oh, yeah, it would take a lot of mulch because it's in a pretty big pot. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. there's, you know, the, the unfortunate thing about putting them in the garage is just the garage is going to keep it warmer. You could try that. I mean, some people mm-hmm. have success growing things, you know, in their garage. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but uh, I would make sure that if you can, make let it have some light when it's in the garage, even though it's not actively growing or whatever. And just... Okay. Uh, it's going to be iffy at best. How low of a temperature can it stand outside, um, like if I put it on the patio? Well, what's going to happen is once the temperatures go below freezing, then that's going to cause that freezing and thawing cycle that I talk about where there's okay. air, air pockets in there, and then that's going to kill all the you know the feeder roots. I see. Okay. 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 Thank you very much for your help and for your show. Sure. My pleasure. Yeah, it's a you know it's a, a little bit of a tough circumstance. Let's head over to Mary's yard. Hi, Mary. Hi, Mike. Hi. Thank you for your service. My question is about a bottle brush buckeye shrub. I see at the botanical garden they're kind of growing in shade, and my question is, would I be successful? Um, planting one in the shade. I'd like to hide my compost pile, and I'd like to put it, it would be about uh, 10 foot away from a white, a big white oak tree. What about the shade factor? Well, the shade factor is something to consider, but most important is that close to a larger oak tree, that's going to be the limiting factor more so than anything else, you know, related to success. Well, that I could I could understand that, but I was concerned about the shade. Yeah. Um, okay, I guess I may well pursue that. I'm assuming assuming they don't have to have a lot of moisture since they what grow in. Well, it's a botanical garden. I know uh, they're kind of up on a hill. Right. Yeah, they're, they, you know, I mean, they're pretty tough. They're pretty durable. But it's just, again, competing with a large established plant material, that's where the trouble's going to be coming. Yes. I Thank you. I, I do understand that. Okay. Thank you so much. Sure. My pleasure. And now let's head over to Art's yard. Hi, Art. Yeah, Mike. I thought maybe your program was always a breath of fresh air and spring. You talked about fragrance of Roma. Rosemary, I have that same problem with my armor olives. I get corner autumn olives, which are very good. But let me give a tip of the trial, if I might, to this. The little brown bulbs went to sleep in their bed in the ground, and their little brown nighties, they slept very sound. And winter heat raged. And he roared overhead, but never a bulb turned over in bed. But when spring came tiptoeing over the lee, 
her finger on lip, just as stiff as could be, the little brown bulbs at the very first tread all split up their nighties and jumped out of bed. Well, thanks, Art. Great. Great for your insight. And uh, so uh, we'll just go ahead and uh, thank you very much for calling. You do call pretty much on a regular basis, and you have some great insight on a lot of different things. So if anybody else has any questions or concerns, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. You know I always keep advocating for the plant material growing outside, uh, the soil testing. And one of the very important things besides the nutrient level that's in your soil, and so in other words, the nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium, whatever, is the soil pH. And that is really crucial because a lot of times the plant material, is, regardless of what type it is, if the soil pH is not correct, then it's going to be detrimental. And I'm going to emphasize again with the lawns because so often – over the years and, you know, going to certain garden centers and things like that, they kind of push or even landscape contractors push putting lime down. And unless you've had a soil test done and your soil test indicates that your soil is very acidic, then do not put lime down because what it will do is it can raise the soil pH. And even in a lawn, your lawn wants to have a pH that's actually slightly acidic, not slightly alkaline. So seven is neutral. So for a successful lawn, you want the soil pH to be about 6.5. And once it gets above that, then it can cause you know, real problems for your, your lawn in general. And then, of course, for you know, acid-loving plants like azaleas and blueberries and raspberries and uh, rhododendrons and hollies, they want a uh, soil pH that's uh, at least 5.5, and that's pretty darn acidic. And, you know, how are you going to make your soil acidic? Well, that's what sulfur and iron are all about. So sulfur changes the pH, and the iron makes it, you know, self-available for the plant material because generally plants that like an acidic soil also like a good level of iron. Let's head over to Greg's yard now. Hi, Greg. Hi, Mike. Hi. I ordered some uh, eastern pines uh, back in the summer, and they they told me they'd ship it when the time was right. And I just got the bare root um, saplings. Is it too late to plant those? Well, it's getting, (laughs) it is pretty late. Go ahead. Probably what I would do is, like I was telling the lady, you know, with her hydrangea that she, you know, to dig a hole and drop the pot into a hole. I would take these, I would put these plantings, you know, I don't know how, you know, they're just saplings, so they're really small. Just put them in a pot with a good potting mix and then drop that pot into the hole, into the ground. And then I'd wait, uh, you know, until the weather gets a little bit nicer. Like I say, once we come out of wintertime and plant them then. But if they're shipping them now, is this from the conservation department? Well, it's from it's from a, one of the, I think it's one of the tree societies, like, Arbor, Arbor Society or something like that. I, right. I don't remember. Well, I don't know how, <laughs> how how many did you get? <laughs> well, fifty. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Whoa. <laughs> awfully cold day to be planting 50 trees. Yes, it is. <laughs> but, you know, make sure the roots, I'm sure they got them all wrapped up and everything else. You don't want yeah. that root system to, you know, get dry. So what you yeah. could do is just, uh, you know, take some of them and put them in a pot like I was talking about and then plant some of them and see what happens, see which way works okay. the best. <laughs> all right. Well, well, I'll give it a shot and see what happens and plant a few in some pots and hopefully if the others don't survive, the one in the pots will. Right. Thank you. Sure. My pleasure. Yeah, that's pretty wild. Uh, so... I mean, I understand, and hopefully it's a variety I didn't, you know, I forget which variety of pine that you got, but hopefully it's a variety that's going to be hardy for this region, so even. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you. Yeah. Mike Miller, K KMWS Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Not just a little bit, but anyway, we've got some phone lines open, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's head over to Ruth's yard. Hi, Ruth. Yeah, Mike, could you give your new uh, email address, please? Well, you can uh, use my old email address. It's still functional, but I can give oh. you my new one if you like. Whichever one you prefer. Right, it doesn't matter. Yeah, just go to m. Miller Designs, that's with an S on it, the end okay. of it. Digit number one at att.net. Okay, great. Thank you very much. Yeah, I, I can give you the other one so you can tr- you know use whichever you want. Okay. So the other one is mmillerdesigns22 at gmail.com. Okay, great. Well, I've had problems with my att. Uh, email, so I, I'm thinking the other one might be better. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks much. Have a great holiday season. Sure, my pleasure. So, I mean, uh, we had a couple calls earlier about uh, damage, you know, potentially by some wildlife and deer in University City, the deer going along the train tracks. So if you do live in an area that, uh, you know, is not like University City, but there is a lot of wildlife and deer are one of the things that are, you know, causing damage to your your landscape, there are several plants that the deer kind of stay away from, except if the winter is really severe, then the deer are going to go, listen, I know I don't like this all that much, but I got to survive, so I'm going to go ahead and have some of this. And some of the woody plant material that the deer, you know, kind of stay away from unless it's a real tough time, vitex, witch hazel, hypericum, blue spruce, rosa sharon, leucothe, paperbark birch, the junipers, holly, hawthorns, gold thread branch cypress, oak leaf hydrangea, and ginkgo trees. So that's ones that uh, if they have a choice— and it's not too severe winter-wise, then they're going to say, I'll skip those and go over here and have some of this. But anyway, let's head over now to Vicki's yard. Hi, Vicki. Hi, this is Vicki, and I have a question about indoor plants. Okay. I had been given some plants recently, and somehow from one or both of them, I have these itty-bitty tiny little gnats flying around. I got rid of the one plant, I kept the other, but now I'm worried that it's going to migrate, these little things are going to migrate 
to my existing plants, so how do I get rid of them? Basically, the best thing you can do is get, uh, you know, I mean, you could even use just dishwashing soap, mix it, uh, you know, with water and pour it onto the surface of your pot at your houseplant. Do I need to get rid of that funny-looking stuff that comes from the florist that looks like sort of like dead pieces of grass or whatever? <laughs> Do I need to get rid of that and just down to the soil? Uh, yeah, you want to get this down on, because that's where the, the fungus gnats basically are laying their eggs is in the soil. Then they okay. spend their larval stage in the, you know, in the soil. Then they emerge back up. Okay. And this is those itty-bitty tiny. They're, they're a gnat, but they're tinier than the gnats you see outdoors. Yeah, really, really exactly small. right. Okay. Okay. So All right. These are fungus gnats that uh, they can't survive outside unless it's summertime, and then they're, they're going to be on you know, the potential of the plants. But in the summertime outside, you don't even notice them, but it's once they come inside. And another thing you can do is uh, you can use insecticidal soap if you don't want to use dishwashing soap. And the insecticidal soap will, you know, just follow the instructions as far as what you need to do and uh, as far as mixture-wise the amount with water and then just pour it into the surface of the pot. Is it the kind of thing that if you use Dawn or something, like uh, so many drops per whatever, I mean, how do you know how strong? Uh, just, uh, you know, start off with a little bit of just, a, you know, a couple drops in a, well, you're going to probably like a half a cup or so. I don't know how big okay. this pot is. But, uh, uh, about six inches. Oh, six inches. So it's not really huge. No. So consequently, yeah, just a couple drops in about a half a cup of water and pour it, around, you know, pour it around the surface. Okay. But, you know, ideally that could certainly work and, uh but uh, if you go into their favorite garden center and get the insecticidal soap, it will definitely work. Okay, okay. Well, it's worth it because I've had some plants. I know my one spathophyllum is 30 years old. I sure don't want it to get contaminated. Oh, yeah, yeah right. Okay, very good. Thank you. I appreciate it. Sure, my pleasure. And uh, we just, we're just we about out of time. we got a one caller. Maybe we can get them in. Okay, let's see if we can get to... Bob, can you do it kind of quick? Yes, Mike. Last year, my grandkids and I planted flower bulbs, tulip bulbs, and they came up around Easter. They loved it. This year, I, we're in Jeff City, Missouri. We had so much rain that we weren't able to get them in. When is the latest, Mike, that we can plant tulip bulbs? Well, you want to, you know, I, I talked about this a little bit earlier. When you plant them this late, sometimes the ground is starting to get cold enough that it won't encourage the bulbs to put, you know, produce a root system. So consequently, you may end up with just the foliage coming up without any flower. But get them into the ground as soon as you possibly can. And it sounds like you have an area where they do well. So in other words, it's well-drained and everything else if you've had previous success growing them. But get them okay. in the ground as soon as you possibly can. About uh, four inches deep would be you know, as deep as you want to plant them. Okay. Well, sure. Appreciate it, Mike. Thank you. Sure. My pleasure. And thanks to everybody for calling in today. I greatly appreciate it. And it's nice to see the sun. We had a stretch where there was sun out yesterday, which I was so grateful to see. But consequently, it is wintertime and things are really looking a little bit ugly. So it's not that ugly. Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline. See you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, 
celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? Then you're going to want to tune in to the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.